This is Everyday Leaders. I'm your host, Melanie Ake. Everyday Leaders is an inspirational show to help you develop strategies to overcome everyday obstacles in your life. Today's guest will share the disciplines that he practices every day that allows him to achieve a life of success. This special Father's Day edition is dedicated to my father, John Qualls, who at 30 years old passed away from lung cancer, and to my stepfather, Jerry Brown, for stepping in and teaching me the values of consistency and believing in your own ability to add value to others. These simple techniques are ones that you too can apply every day to live your life with success. My stepfather, Jerry Brown, is my guest today. Everyday Leaders 50 and 50, show 22 starts now. Welcome to the program, Jerry. Thank you for having me as a guest today. Yeah, so I'm celebrating Father's Day weekend, and a lot of this goes back to people that influence us. Leadership is influence, and you have been a huge influence in my life. And so as we as we celebrate Father's Day weekend, it's all about fathers, people that stepped in and stepped up, and you are a great stepfather, and I want to celebrate you and talk about all the things that I've learned from you and through you um, with leadership principles. And so thank you for being on my show. You're welcome. (laughs) So um, I think the biggest thing that I've learned from you is through the years is consistency. You came into my life at a time when I was 11 years old, transitioning into these teenage years. (laughs) And I remember your biggest quote, kids should be frozen between 11 and 18. (laughs) That's actually a Mark Twain, but uh, I used it. And you're a big quote guy. So, so when you said that, and you knew that you were stepping into a situation where you were going to be a stepfather of, of an 11 year old, how did that feel? I really didn't know what I was getting into. It was, it was, a. It was it was a very dramatic year for me because not only did I get married, uh, I became a department chairman and I became a stepfather all within about three months, and so that was kind of overwhelming to me. Um, and I most of my friends, um, their children were much younger because Joyce is older when when we got married. Um, my friends' kids were still toddlers or maybe seven or eight years old, something like that. So I, I really have to say I didn't know what I was getting into, uh, and sorry, I didn't have a lot of mo- <laughs> didn't have a lot of models, but you know it it it, it worked out, and uh, I learned as I went. But like a lot of other things you have in life, if you could go back, you'd change things. But um, uh, I said I just I really didn't know what I was getting into. Um, so you made a big trade off though because you were how old were you? Twenty twenty eight. Twenty eight. So yeah. twenty eight years old, and you married this lady, <laughs> this crazy lady named Joyce, and she's got this eleven year old daughter. And I actually didn't meet you. I was away on summer vacation, and I came home. That's, and, yeah, that's right. And yeah. you guys said. <laughs> guess what? We're getting married in November. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> so, so that was a big change for us. And, um, and we started going to a church that was um, one of my friends. I said, hey, let's start going as a family. Let's go to this Christ United Methodist Church where Debbie Mann and her family went. And through that, 
we made a ton of relationships that that have molded our mm-hmm. our life. Yes. Um, the Aches, which I ended up marrying Joe Ake, didn't know him at that mm-hmm. time, but the Mercers and 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 the Mans and and all of these families that we've stayed connected to through the years, um, and that's part of my company, Make Connections for Life, because I really stay connected to the things that um, you know I've grown up with, and and that's really important for people to learn that you have to have that consistency, and that's the biggest word when I look at all the leadership words that I learn about and read about Jerry. Jerry Brown is consistent. Where did you learn to practice discipline and consistency from? Um, I'd have to say my father was the biggest influence on that because that was the kind of person he was. And he was very disciplined in, a, in his approach to pretty much his personal life and his professional life both. Um, and it was it's, it's the day-to-day actions that... Uh, make you successful. So I'd have to say that's probably where I learned it the most. And so you you followed your father and your family really in the footsteps of teaching. And as you said, it you know, when you became a stepfather, you also became a department head, which is a leader in the community at the at the local high school. And so how did that change from just being, you know, a teacher to instantly being a department head? Um one of the things that you have to learn is sometimes you have to say no, and that's that's not easy to do. Uh, also, you have to be more careful about the friendships you have in the department because you can't let people take advantage of that friendship um, for uh, how you do departmental policies. And I, I think I did a pretty good job with that over the years, and I still had friendships, but you had to always keep that in mind, not to play favorites, listen to everybody, uh, because if you don't, uh, people are going to be quick to point that out. So who taught you that? Uh, Well, once again, I kind of was thrown into it at a younger, I won't say thrown into it because I applied to be it, so it wasn't (laughs) like somebody held a gun to my head. Um, Don't say that anymore now. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. That's not a real good phrase to use anymore. Uh, no one forced me into it. Um, and, and being, you know, 27, 28 is actually pretty young to be a department chairman. Mm-hmm. So uh, most of the other department chairmen at that time were people at least 10 years older than me. So I kind of had to, to watch them um, as they did their job. I will say, though, too, that John Williams was my first department chairman, Mm -hmm. and he was um, a mentor for me before the mentor program even existed for high schools. And so watching him and watching Dave Schaefer as department chairman, uh, they were very good role models to follow. That's cool. Well, and, and so in every profession, you know, you have that, but you stayed a department head for your whole career. You were there until you retired um, what, five or six years ago? How long has that been now? <laughs> uh, eight years ago. Eight years ago. Yeah. And the way that you designed your life, you know, you were always in a leadership role and position and and everybody that knows Jerry Brown, I can't believe he's not having coffee during this podcast, really. <laughs> I'm going to say it right here. Bottled he's water. not no, drinking no, coffee no. today. <laughs> but, um, but, you know, the design of what you were able to accomplish and really stay disciplined and consistent in 
just is a tribute really to your life and, and being able to think about the things that you want to achieve and then how you are living out your life. Because now you're retired, you're traveling, you're doing the things that you want to do. And that's because you really thought and planned out everything in your life to a T. And so that's a big lesson to learn uh, because a lot of people feel like, yeah, when I get to a certain level or after my kids get to a certain age, I'll start thinking about retirement or I'll start thinking about the things that I need. And you really always kind of put that in, in your mind. And did you learn that from your dad? I think I learned that from my father. And I also think that was a byproduct of teaching economics all the years that I did, because economics teaches you to think about uh, planning for your financial future. Mm-hmm. So had I not taught economics, I'm not sure I would have been as disciplined in my financial approach to life as I would have been. So I think that that probably helped a lot. So I want to talk about that because the kids that took your class, and I didn't go to the same high school, but the kids that took your class talk about when you made them go through this whole um, kind of role play of getting married and and having their budgets and things. What's the best memory? Do you have a a great memory of of a couple that went through that class that you assigned (laughs) that did a role play? Uh, Yeah, Um, this was about 40 years ago now, Patty (laughs) Johnson and Kevin Benefield. One one of the parts of it, too, was they had to... Uh, not only did they have to work out like a role-playing budget exercise, but they had to take what I called a consumer report on some uh, thing that's likely to happen to you in the future uh, in the economic financial impact of it. So they decided to do the uh, report on the economics and financial parts of having a baby. Well, Kevin was kind of kind of a shy guy, very good student, but kind of shy. Well, Patty's very outgoing and, and gregarious, and so they went on a on a uh, around shopping for what things would cost. Well, she put a pillow under her <laughs> under her um, shirt to make it look like she was pregnant. Well, Kevin was uh, really embarrassed to be seen with this woman who looked obviously pregnant. Uh, and and uh, they took pictures of it and everything, and they did a great job on the report. So <laughs> I have to give them credit for that. But but that particular report um, stands out. And I have to say that um, three couples that got together in my class for that project uh, ended up getting married in real life. Oh, that's cool. So that that's kind of a good memory. And I've got wedding pictures from two of them. Uh, as far as I know, they're all still together, so uh, yeah. I think I've been a pretty good matchmaker uh, <laughs> on that part. So, well, yeah. and so for I don't I didn't want to get to this right now, but I will because I want to plug this for Jerry. He has done all the work for the alumni rooms for Perry Meridian High School here uh, on the South Side in Indianapolis, and he has done that out of passion. And what what really spurred you on to think about, you know, you think you go back and listen to the things that after you've retired and, and you start reflecting, right, on those things that have connected you to your whole history. Um, so w- how did you start that? Well, I think part of it is the fact that I was at Perry Meridian almost from the beginning, not the very first year, but I came the second year. Um, so I was living through the history of Perry Meridian High School, the years that I taught. Secondly, I think it was because I like history in general, so uh, I have a passion for that. 
I would walk by those three rooms over there at uh, the central office that said Perry Meridian alumni, and there was nothing was in them except junk computers. And um, I thought, you know, we really need to get going on this because there's still a lot of people around that were around at the very beginning of Perry Meridian High School, whether it was teachers or students. And so they've got memorabilia, they've got pictures. We need to be preserving this. I, I think the final thing that pushed me to do it was was the death of my best friend, Dan Cunningham, because I got to thinking of the number of teachers that uh, from Perry that died between 2011, I think it was, and 2015. It was like nine teachers wow. uh, in that time span. And, and I got to thinking, you know, they've got memorabilia, uh, that would be good to have and and their families aren't probably going to want to keep that you know i mean once those people are dead their children are probably just going to throw it away um so while people are still alive uh or recently passed away i wanted to try to get some of the some of the memorabilia uh that they have Mm -hmm. so excuse me so when you set this room up you know what who what did you do first did you just kind of because a lot of people would say, yeah, I'd like to kind of start something or I've never, I have an idea, but what did you do first? Who did you kind of campaign? Because you have to influence somebody to say, yeah, you can use these rooms. Because it was Southport and well, let's go back for people that yeah. don't know. Southport High School and Perry Meridian High School always shared services in, in the community and, and even the football field. Mm-hmm. And that's really uncommon and uh, Perry Meridian just this year, last year, have now their own football field for the first time ever. And so that's a, it's a big change. But these two high schools shared the same building as far as, um, like you said, the, the administration offices. Right. So what would you what takes us through the process of that? Well, um, when they built that or uh, remodeled the, the building for the central office. They, I think, wanted to make sure that it wasn't just for administrative offices, that the community could benefit from it too. So there's a Perry Township Historical Society room. There's the Perry Township PTA Council room. And there were three small rooms dedicated for Southport High School history memorabilia and three small rooms dedicated for Perry Marie. Well, Southport already had uh, some memorabilia uh, over at the regular high school, but mm-hmm. uh, the the school was growing and they needed more rooms for computer labs and different things like that. So they moved the Southport people out and they ended up going into those three rooms. Well, I would pass those rooms by and look in and see the stuff they they had, and I thought Perry can do this, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. But it just takes somebody to to step up to do it and. That's something I knew I liked, and I decided to do it. Um, Perry, or Southport had 75 more years of history ahead of us, so there was no way we were going to catch them. But we started to have, uh, we're having history, so I wanted to get us started on that. Well, yeah, history starts today, history right? History starts today. That's yeah. so cool. And if anybody is connected to Perry Meridian or you haven't seen these rooms, there's been so much effort by Jerry put in these. And um, I really encourage you to, he's got open open times and there's a Facebook page and all this. So really connect. I'll put everything in the links here 
um, in the show notes and, and help you guys connect to it. But it's pretty cool to see the work that's gone into it and, um, and what it's becoming. And so all of, there's a lot of people that, um, that may, may be guests on the show, may be connected to the show, but they are also leaders now through their own, you know, learning and teaching from Paramedian High School. You know, like we all have those people that we say, yeah, they were quiet or shy or a nerd or a leader in school. And now look at them, right? Their life has completely blossomed. And so, um, but this really celebrates all walks of life and, um, and I love theater, so Ann Sanders is close to my heart. And the big quilt that they made from all the theater and all the plays, <clears throat> it's really neat. And it's it's on one of the walls. So, uh, yeah, it's it's a pretty neat room. So I would encourage people to connect to that. Anyone that's listening, uh, two things I'd like to state about the rooms also. One, I've tried to be very inclusive in terms of the eras. It's not just what happened 40 years ago. I've got stuff in there from the beginning of Perry uh, Meridian right through today because I want it to be a place that in the future, any generation, any age group can go back in there and say, here's things from my era. And uh, the other thing is, it's not just sports. It's not just music. There's academic competitions. uh, There's drama. Uh, there's all kinds of student council memorabilia. There's all kinds of different areas of the school, robotics uh, reflected in those rooms. Because once again, I want people when they come back to say, hey, I was a part of robotics or I was in the the plays and know that uh, their part's being preserved too. Yep. It's all about that connection. You know, we all, and I talked on my very first show with Kelly Glover, he, we were connected through high school and he's been through some traumatic life events. Um, but I think it's important because we all bond with people while, as we're going through school, we've known them most of our, you know, formative years. And so there's always that, like, go back to the reunions, connect to people because it brings back memories that are great. And, um, and Jerry, you go back to almost every single reunion. I try to go to as many as I can. Um, you know, with our, our own schedule, Joyce and I schedule and whatever, I can't go to all of them. But I try to go to a lot of them. And especially I like to go now to, to, to bring memorabilia to show them. And, and people like to look at that. Uh, so so what, do you, what do you don't, what are you missing, I guess, in the rooms that you'd like to have? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I'd like to get some more memorabilia from the Katie Douglas years mm-hmm. at Perry Marine. I've got a little bit, but uh, the that year that they were undefeated and ranked number four in the country, and you know, I'd like to get some more from that. I'd like to get some more uh, new student newspapers from uh, 2000 to 2010. For some reason, they didn't save very many of those at Perry Meridian. So I I'm, I'm, would like to get some more newspapers from that 10-year period of time uh, to, to show people in the room. And, and so there's also a, a website, I think you said a radio show for Perry Meridian. What, what all is connected to? Uh, I've got a web, or, um Facebook page. I got a Twitter account. I've got a blog. Um, <laughs> contact me. My personal email, um, cell phone number. Um, there are all di- all different ways to get a hold of me. And, and you could always call Perry Meridian High School if you've got something you'd like to donate. They've got information uh, about how to get a hold of me. Very cool. I, I happen to start to get kind of selective because we're running out of room. 
but I can I can put things in storage that uh, and then kind of bring them out for uh, open houses or to take to reunions mm-hmm. and stuff. But, so you always usually have before the reunions and things too an open house yeah. mm-hmm. so people can come in and kind of look at things yeah. and share and mm-hmm. so maybe they'll give you more room. Uh, that's could happen down the road. Uh, I'm, I wouldn't bank on that because they're, they're using most of the rooms over there, but, uh, I, I'm happy with what we've got. I mean, ideally I'd like to be in the high school itself because then we could be open during ball games and things like that, but I'll take what we've got. Mm-hmm. So well, you I'm, never I'm happy. Know. You never know, never know down the road. I mean, there were a couple of times I thought we might get one over the years, but they just kept needing the rooms for. Um, different things that were going on at Perry and Rudy and the, and the exploding enrollments. Mm-hmm. They've just needed them for classrooms. So so what's the enrollment gone to from 19, when you started teaching? Ironically, it's about where it was when I started. Wow. Uh, it was around 2,500 when I started. Uh, during the no, uh, mid-90s was when it was at the lowest, probably at about... Fifteen to sixteen hundred, and now it's back up to pretty close to twenty three, twenty four hundred now. Wow! Are there other teachers that are still in, uh, still teaching that haven't retired that you started with? Um, everybody that I started with is retired now. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a whole new. It's group. a whole yeah. I mean, there's some that go back to about the fourth or fifth year. But nobody is left from the original year as a teacher. Now, there's some students that are uh, there as teachers now that were there in those first years. Mm-hmm. But all, all the teachers or administrators, uh, they, they've all retired mm-hmm. or passed away, sadly. Yeah. So let's talk about your friend Dan Cunningham. He okay. was a great friend, like a brother to you. And he introduced you, excuse me, he introduced you to a love that, (laughs) the Fighting Irish. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And you guys used to go all the time to the Notre Dame games, and and, and you're not Catholic, but you could have been. You guys could have been just Uh, the Catholic brothers. (laughs) So tell me about how that really, you know, we talk about the law of pain and what we learn through pain, but you're really still, we're connected to his family and his daughters, and, and it's so important to to stay that way. But tell me about that relationship with Dan and what you learned, you know, through losing him. Um, I think I learned through losing him the value of friendships in general. And I'm still kind of looking for that best friend uh, outside of family members because I think that's important too. Um, But I I think I learned not, don't take your health for granted. That, that's a big one mm-hmm. because it can change on a dime. And once Dan was diagnosed with that cancer, things changed dramatically mm-hmm. uh, for him and our friendship, too, because he just couldn't do things that he had been used to doing, like going up to Notre Dame games and so on. So mm-hmm. um, I, I learned that uh, if you've got your health, you've got a lot. What's a, you know, I, I listened so many years to you guys and the funny stories. Um, <laughs> I know you, you've got all kinds of stories about him, but what's your favorite story? Oh, gosh, I'm going to have to think about this for a minute. <laughs> I think one of the, um, I think one of the funniest ones was that, uh, I'll, I'll share two quick ones. 
one of the funniest ones was he he got some kind of a pen light that uh, you know was a combination of a writing pen and then a kind of a light on the end of it. Well, uh, he got up one day in his room and the kids were saying, "Well, what is that?" And he said, "Well, this is a pothead light. It goes off of if, if I'm around anybody that's smoking pot." And he'd go up to somebody that probably was a pot smoker, and that light would come on, and they really didn't know how it was coming on. And so the kids all thought, how do you know that guy smoking pot? And so uh, then another time, um, he had a guy who was about your age, because it was when video games were just starting to come out. Mm-hmm. And I won't give his real name, but I'll just say his first name rhymed with Mason. Okay. <laughs> well, this guy didn't want to do much in class, and all he wanted to talk about was video games and playing video games. So Dan had somebody go out and buy a squash and bring it in and put it on the chair next to this guy, and Dan named him Mason Squash. And... <laughs> Then he 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 made up like homework assignments that Mason turned in that did better than the other guy did, <laughs> <laughs> and he and uh, he'd claim that uh, the other guy was cheating off of him. And <laughs> I mean, if you did some of this kind of stuff today, <laughs> you'd never get away you, with you it. You wouldn't get away with it. But back in those days, you know, it was it was a lot easier to to get away with. But th- those are a couple of couple of funny ones from um, teaching from uh, our Notre Dame time. First, first game we go to uh, was, was a bus trip, actually. We didn't go up as a couple. We went on a bus trip. So uh, on the way up and on the way back, of course, the beer, the beer was flowing. So on the way back, um, Judy was sitting with Dan, and I, I was sitting with Joyce. Well, Judy and Joyce wanted to... Um, talk some so we agreed to change seats well dan had been asleep okay so i go over and sit next to dan well dan still thinks judy is sitting by so he starts rubbing my leg <laughs> rubbing my arm <laughs> yeah. and then all of a sudden he wakes up oh my god <laughs> that's because you were best friends <laughs> yeah i guess yeah oh great memories well and his daughter um i just kind of want to add this so um, Michelle and Karen and Maureen are his daughters, and um, their mother had passed away also, Judy, and Michelle had um, really campaigned to have the scholarship in Dan's name at the high school. And so for several years, they've had the Dan Cunningham Scholarship, and this year, they started a scholarship program for Jerry Brown. And it's pretty cool, because all that Jerry's done for the school, um, now there is, he was able to see... You know, not be, I'm passed on and now they're going to dedicate this to me. But it's really cool to see all the things that you've done in the community and that we're celebrating this so that you can really enjoy this and kids can connect to you. Um, So this first um, award winner or scholarship recipient uh, this year, where is he going to IU? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And and so what's what's his name? Elliot Ober. <laughs> oh, now I forgot. Oberhamer, I think, is it? Oberhamer. Okay, and he'll be going to IU this yeah. fall. Yeah. And so the scholarship has been really funded through um, the Dan Cunningham 
funding uh, with Michelle Cunningham kind of leading that charge and, and the Cunningham family. So pretty cool. And I wanted to recognize that because I think that's such a tribute to everything that Jerry's done and in, in the contribution. Uh, we talk about, you know, expanding what you believe and, and staying true to your beliefs all your life as a leader. And then contributing back is huge. And just because, you know, I, I think people, you know, say, oh, Jerry's retired. He's got time to do that. But he didn't really just say, I'm retired. I'm going to do this. This was it's always been a passion. Mm-hmm. So the leadership principles, you know, are being intentional. But you are all about consistency. <laughs> it's doing things every single day a little bit at a time to make that impact um, that's really really changed kind of the forefront of Perry Meridian. So, man, thank you for all that you do, Jerry. You're pretty amazing, and uh, you're a big model for all of us. And I really, really thank you for coming on the program. Wow, you're welcome. I'm glad that I could be a guest for you. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, <clears throat> so I want to talk about a couple of things. You know, you're such a history buff, and and I listen to music or I think about history and I think about, oh, that's something that Jerry would like. And we, growing up, we used to go to all the movies. You know, you're such a movie buff. Yeah, I like movies. Yeah. <laughs> you love movies. And yeah. so every time the Academy Awards come out or any of these shows, it's like, oh, well, I'm, I know that Jerry Brown has gone to see every single one of these. If Not they're... as much as I used to. Back back when it was only like five or six movies up for the Academy Award, I usually would see them, or Joyce and I would see them, but... Now it's like ten or eleven of them, I think, are considered. So I don't, I don't make all of them like you used to. But yeah, back in the day, it's, usually saw all of them. <clears throat> saw all of them. So when we talk about history and music, you know, what's what's something that you think about, you know, and, and as a teaching lesson for a leader in history that you've connected to? Um, I well, I'll start off with two people that I've really admire one was and one has kind of become a forgotten figure sadly and that's martin luther um he challenged the church and had he not challenged the catholic church there wouldn't have been the protestant reformation and all the religions uh, denominations that followed uh from that so to take on the church at that time in history i think was a very courageous act to do. Mm-hmm. Um, the other the other person I've admired a lot was Winston Churchill because when others were wanting to um, sue for peace with the Germans, they just they felt like there was no way they could win. He stood up to the Nazis. And had he not held out, stood up, who knows how World War II might have uh, ended up and what we might be today, America. I think about that when I watch The Man in the High Castle mm-hmm. uh, because that's the premise is that the Nazis mm-hmm. took over. So, you know, those two individuals, uh, I've always admired them uh, from afar. Sadly, um, well, maybe not sadly, but realistically, usually people that do that pay a price politically because, you know, Martin Luther was castigated a lot for what he did. Churchill was voted out of office after World War II because the people wanted somebody different who wasn't as hardline. So, uh, you know, a lot of times those kind of people pay the price for what the, what they choose to do. Mm-hmm. But they do it because they believe in something. Be- they believe in something, and they believe in something for the greater good, and they believe in something uh, for the future. Mm-hmm. Not just what's, not just immediate gratification, but 
what's best for the future of my people. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's really what you believe. So that's why yeah. you connect to those people. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. So, um, so Jerry, thank you for being on the program. This has been really fun. And I hope that people can connect to you, follow you, um, watch, you know, the Perry Meridian alumni rooms grow and, and through that, <laughs> it's, it's pretty amazing to see everything that you've done in, uh, and so I celebrate you because you have been a big um, influence in my life and things could have been a lot differently, but you, like other step parents, have stepped in and stepped up and made life better. So thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. And um, it doesn't end um, when they're 18. They're going to be in your heart as long as they're still going. They can be unfrozen. <laughs> yeah, it, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're always going to be with you. And I'll just add one last thing that in teaching, we, we talk about aha moments, you know, when either as a teacher, you see something you could do that could really help a kid or help a class or help a school, or when a kid finally connects on how to do something. And just yesterday, uh, I got to thinking about uh, what you might be asking me and what I've done. And, and I had an aha moment because and it comes from your John Maxwell uh, lessons. Really, when I look at what I did with teaching, what I did with the volunteer work, what I've done with Perry Meridian uh, history out of church, it's really all been about adding value to people, mm-hmm. adding value as an, to the experience of being a Perry Meridian graduate, adding value to the teachers at MacArthur where I volunteer, or to the kids. I never thought of it that way. But that's <laughs> that's really what it's been about, mm-hmm. and it kind of made me see things a little differently uh, in thinking about that. So that's where the John Maxwell series has been good for me mm-hmm. because it that that phrase uh, adding value to people that's very important. It's very important, and yeah. you have done it naturally all your life because you followed your passion, and mm-hmm. that's uh, so that's that's so true and. Yeah, John Maxwell, we've taken the, the invalu- 15 Invaluable Laws of Growth, and um, you were a part of that my first time that I was actually going through it and teaching it and learning it myself. And it does really open your eyes to the things that, you know, that you're around and that you become aware of, and you become aware of your own story and why it's important um, to keep following your heart, uh, because that's, that's really what makes you fulfilled in life. Now I think about all the time. How can I add value to something or somebody that I'm interacting with? Mm-hmm. That's, that's a different mindset. It's a different paradigm, as I say. Mm-hmm. It's a good one. It's it's a change in in your thought, and, it, yeah. and then when you change your belief, you know what we believe is if you begin to think a certain way, you change your belief, and it starts to be change your habits, and then it really changes your mm-hmm. behavior. Um, and, and everything else kind of falls into place. And so people that are stretching and looking for this, you know, this billboard, right? <laughs> this billboard that says, go do this and you'll be happy. Um, it's not about that. Life is about following your dreams through what you're good at. Like Jerry just said, adding value to things around you so that you can really live into what your purpose is. Um, and he's found it. And so it's it's really incredible to kind of share this journey that he's on, that he's added value to 
my life and my family's life. And it's been, you know, it's been great. It, it, things could be a lot different. But when we look at these families today that, you know, there are there are still a part of the population that, you know, you have a family that the mom and dad stay married forever. But life has changed so much. And you have a lot of, you know, families that have mixed family situations going on That's for right, a yeah. variety of reasons. And so this weekend, it's really about lifting people up and saying, hey, as Jerry said, add value to the people that are in your life and don't worry about these titles. And and one of my messages that I really wanted to be clear about this weekend is, you know, you don't have to have the title to have authority or to have influence. And so lead with influence because you can add value to those around you. And and that's key that will make your life so much more fulfilling. Um, so thank you, Jerry, for being on the program. It's been great. Thanks for the last 40 years <laughs> of my life and uh, all the support that you always gave me, taking me to hockey practice and movies and, and everything else. But um, uh, it will continue. So well, at least I hope so. Absolutely. Yeah. So connect to Jerry. I will. I will put all these things on the show notes and in the, the post on Father's Day weekend. And happy Father's Day, Jerry. Thank you. Everyday Leaders 50 and 50 Leadership Summit is coming to Indianapolis, Saturday, March 2nd, 2019. Join me along with the 50 and 50 guests from Everyday Leaders. 50 and 50 podcast. This exclusive event will take place at the beautiful New Fields Indianapolis Museum of Art on Saturday, March 2nd, 2019. You won't want to miss this one-of-a-kind leadership workshop where you will personally engage with these 50 leaders and learn how to apply their strategies to live your life with success. Don't miss this opportunity. You can be a part of this exclusive inaugural leadership summit here in Indianapolis, March 2nd, 2019. Early bird registration begins on April 20th, 2018. Remember, there's limited space available, so reserve your spot now. If you know of anyone that would be interested in sponsoring this exclusive event, please have them contact me directly at make at makeconnectionsforlife.com. Thank you for following the podcast of Everyday Leaders 50 and 50.